Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Adam Conover is a comedian and writer best known for the true TV series Adam Ruins Everything, which he created and hosted from 2015 to 2019. Conover's comedy career began while still a student at Bard College, where he was part of the sketch comedy group Old English, along with future BoJack Horseman creator Raphael Bob Waksberg. Old English performed at the HBO Aspen Comedy Festival in 2007, and in 2012 they wrote and released the feature film The Exquisite Corpse Project. Conover, meanwhile, also began writing and making videos for College Humor, where his 2012 parody Mitt Romney style has earned more than 64 million views and counting on YouTube. College Humor also helped give birth to Adam Ruins Everything. Conover sat down with me in Los Angeles in February 2020, just as he began his newest gig as host of the Nickelodeon game show The Crystal Maze. We spoke about the heady early years of internet comedy videos and how Facebook and other factors brought it all crashing down, even before the COVID-19 pandemic took the comedy industry by storm. So let's get to it! But we're not here to talk about Jeopardy. We're here for another episode of Facebook Ruins Everything. How's it going, How's it going Sean? Hey there, nice to be here. Um, nice to be here outside the satellite theater with cars going by, um, by some dumpsters. You were just... Uh, Projecting to the future with your set, uh, mm-hmm. going forward to look back at our crazy culture that we live in currently. Yeah, so yeah. I want to go back a little bit to the first time I experienced Old English. Oh. At the uh, HBO Comedy Festival in Aspen. Yeah, oh wow, yeah, in 2007. You, yeah, where you pulled off a hell of a scam with your condo. Oh my gosh, you might be the last person alive who remembers that. I mean, or or who would think to tell me. If I meet someone else mm-hmm. in the future who's like, I was at that show and, and I remember this thing that you did, uh, that would be remarkable to me if that were to happen. Uh, yeah, that was my sketch group, Old English, was at a... Uh, we did the last year of the Aspen Comedy Festival, and we like barely squeaked in. We were so excited. We were we were like hot young hot shots. We thought we were like gonna get a TV show that year. We were like 22 years old. Um, it was it was like a, fresh, out of fresh out of college, yeah. And this big web video boom was happening. It was like YouTube had just started, and we were like like online sketch comedy groups that made their own videos were like a briefly hot commodity. And we went to Aspen, and um, they we had the worst time slot. Uh, they booked us in a time slot that was like it was an afternoon like panel kind of it was at like 4 p.m. in like a conference room in like one of the rooms that they would norm that they were normally doing like interview like panels in and we were like doing like our our half hour like sketch show that we've been working on for months um, and also on the same ticket were like um, uh, what was the oh, jib jab like jib jab was on the same ticket and they were doing a a presentation about how they got so many hits making like greeting cards, you know, and then like we did our half hour comedy to like people just looking at us like kind of baffled. And we were like, okay, we, we went to this big festival. Nobody's paying any attention to us. Um, uh, the big group at the time was Joey and David, which was uh, they were like this duo. Do you remember Joey and David? No, I can't remember. I can't believe you don't remember them. They were like the hot shots. It was um, uh, uh, David Young who went to work at College Humor, mm-hmm. um, and Joey. I'm blanking on his last name, but they were a duo. Um, anyway, so Joey we were like. Travelina. No. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. 
uh, uh, I, and I remember going, oh, I wish I was Joey and David. They're getting all the sweet bookings at the festival. But so we were on one night. They, we were booked on one late night spot um, at the festival, like a variety show at like midnight. And we were trying to figure out what are we going to do? What are we going to do? This is our one chance to make a big impression. And we were like, couldn't agree on what sketch to do. And then we came up with this weird idea where we took all this. So we were staying in this weird condo that was like owned by people in Aspen. You know, it was like their vacation rental. And they had like a stuffed bear and like some weird paintings and things. We were making fun of the stuff in the condo. And then we just hauled it all to the venue and brought it on stage with us. Yeah. Like their furniture and their like stuffed bear and their paintings. And then we had sex with all of their furniture. We like dropped our pants and like mimed having sex. And that got us some, uh, the only attention we got at the whole festival. Um, and, and that's not, on, that was not recorded for video anywhere. Uh, no, thankfully. <laughs> um, I remember that it was, and that was the last year because it was like snowed in, and like people right. people were missing their flights. About the snow and yeah, my flight got uh, diverted to Denver, and then we were put on a bus from Denver to. Aspen. That's what happened to all the comedians too, and they were all the comedians were mad because they were missing their shows, and it was like a ten, it was like a twelve hour. I remember it being a torturously wrong ride. Back then in February of '07, what? Were your videos on YouTube or were they hosted on your own site? What was the process then? Man, this is this is a this is a very interesting subject for for the. I mean, I love talking about this, but um, yeah, uh, I uh, we missed the very first wave of YouTube because we had a very sophisticated system for hosting our own videos on our website that I did myself. I was like our main post guy, and I exported all the videos to like QuickTime and like. Like, seriously, I, I, like, wrote my own, like, compression macros, kind of, to, like, compress it just right. Um, and so when YouTube came out, I was like, YouTube's for amateurs. That's for people who don't know how to do it. You know, they just upload it. I, I got my system. We had, like, uh, we figured out the right web host and everything. And then as a result, we missed, like, the first wave of YouTube because we were like, well, keep everything on our site. And then stuff started popping off on YouTube. Um, you were still playing by the rules of, say, the Lonely Island. Yeah, yeah, we we had we had a site like the Lonely Island site, yeah. And Derek Comedy, I remember, got on YouTube before we did, mm -hmm. and they got like a lot of heat from just being on YouTube at all. And then eventually we started putting stuff on YouTube, and and stuff started stuff started doing well for us. We did a video called One Picture Every Day, which was a parody of Noah Kalina's famous One Picture Every Day video, um, and uh, it yeah, like it got on the front page of YouTube, and that was like a big deal for us, you know. Was that the, was that the biggest thing that happened YouTube wise for Old English? In those in those days, yeah, I mean that video was like licensed to be in a commercial. Like there was like this weird, you know, again this weird like frenzy around online video, right? In those really early days. Well, so I'm curious to know what went into the calculus to make a movie because you guys also did a movie. Yeah, that was we did a movie called The Exquisite Corpse Project. That was just one of the guys in the group. The group the group was basically breaking up because we, you know, were were sort of stalling out into our upward trajectory kind of ended as a group and um then we uh uh, you know, people just had different creative things they wanted to work on. And one of the guys wanted to make a movie. This guy, Ben uh, Popik, um, wanted to make a movie and had this idea where each of us wrote a, a fifth of a screenplay, but only being able to look at the previous uh, five pages. Um, we wrote 15 pages. Each of us could only look at the previous five pages. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was his it was his idea. And it was a really fun, really fun, wild experience. It was for sale. This is a different era on the Internet. Right. That's uh, at a time when... 
people were selling their videos like Louis CK basically started sold a special for $5 on his website uh, that he built himself and that briefly seemed like a thing that artists would do um, uh, before they started uh, uh, sexually uh, harassing and assaulting uh, fellow comedians and well, working writers he had already assaulted he had already had done that you're right he had already done that it's not public knowledge it was not public knowledge yeah it was it was semi-public knowledge. It was like Correct. knowledge among a lot of people, but it was underground knowledge. It was underground knowledge. Um, but, but, but but he was also that, selling those things, and so so the comedy website Splitsider sold our movie for five dollars a download, um, which you know Splitsider is now Vulture, and like yeah. that link no longer exists. But I think we sold a couple thousand copies. Oh, you, you know? did sell a couple. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's not very many, but <laughs> you know it was like it's all on YouTube now. You know I'm um, a bit embarrassed of the section I wrote now. <laughs> So as some jokes I definitely wouldn't write now or wouldn't recommend other now, people write. Now, at that point, what was your relationship like with the College Humor guys? I didn't have one. Um, uh, I mean, well, okay. So I, st- I started working at College Humor because uh, after the group broke up, I started doing a lot of stand-up and improv and trying to, like, you know, submit to writing jobs. I eventually got a job writing for a VH1 sketch show that I didn't like much. Um uh, and when I was I was in L.A. and I was like, I don't want to be in L.A. right now. When I went back to New York, I emailed uh, my friend Ben Joseph, who worked at College Humor and Old English was friends with because he used to work at Super Deluxe, with the first incarnation of Super Deluxe where Old English had a, a deal to make videos with. And I said, hey, man, I'm looking for writing work. And he liked my writing and he uh, he was leaving his job and he recommended to his boss, Sam Reich, hey, you know, this, this guy is maybe worth hiring. And they looked at my stuff and they brought me on. So it was very, very lucky. What was College Humor like at that, at that point? That was like the high days of College Humor. I mean, it was like, you know, College Humor was like the coolest uh, place to do, you know. It, it was like, oh, they're doing web comedy in a way that people see that's very successful, that has like good budgets, um, where the writers have a lot of autonomy, et cetera. Like, just like sketch comedy heaven, you know. Right. So I really... Jake and Amir was, like, pretty massive, yeah, yeah, at the time. Um, When I started there, Jake and Amir had just made, like, a deal to only do Jake and Amir and not do other stuff. And so I actually almost never even saw them because they weren't even in the office. But they would shoot sometimes at my desk. They would be like, you can't be at your desk today because Jake and Amir are going to shoot at your desk because they're going to make it look like they still work on this floor. (laughs) Um, Were the offices already over at IAC? It was the IAC building at at 8800, yep. Yep. Uh, No, sorry. 8800 is the address in Sunset, uh, uh, the former address on Sunset Boulevard. I'm sorry. It was on 18th Street. Yes. Um, Yeah. And um, yeah, it was like a very big operation at that point. We had like the whole floor, you know, and, uh, you know, we had to write two sketches a week and they produced they produced one of them. And yeah, it was awesome. It was really great. And that was like, you know, true. Like I, I mean, I, everything I've done in comedy has like I've learned a lot from you know. But that was when I feel like I truly became like a comedy writer. Was working there. How many videos had you done for College Humor before the first Adam Ruins Everything video? Yeah. God, I don't know. I mean, um, it's hard to say because a lot of times we were co-writing and stuff like that. Um, but you know, yeah, I mean, I, I you had to. We basically wrote two sketches a week. How many quibbies? In terms of time. <laughs> How many quick bites? How many quibbies? I mean, I, how many how many college humor all nighters had passed? I'd say easily over a hundred videos that I did total, but okay. but and that was only in I was I was working there from twenty twelve through twenty 
2015. 2015 was the first year we were working on Adam Ruins Everything. So it was only three years. It felt like it was a lot longer, but um, yeah. So at what point did you start to notice, or did you notice, because you were working on a TV show, did you notice when all of the, the video pivoting to YouTube and the video ah. pivoting to Facebook... That was already that was already happening. Um, you know, I remember when people were saying, um, you know, I read about this on Twitter that you know, like, hey, you know, we we you know our videos do well on YouTube, but you got to see the numbers we get on Facebook. Like, I just specifically remember someone saying that to me. Like, we get like a video gets one million hits on YouTube, we'll get like ten or twenty million hits on YouTube on on Facebook. And I was like, oh wow, you know, and and so that just sort had, of had College Humor already stopped relying on its own proprietary. No, it was uh, look. It was a whole movement there, right? right. You know, so, and and um, that's what I wanted to get your perspective. It was a whole shift. Um, so yeah, when I started at College Humor, it was like the the business model was uh, they would sell ads on the site and they would do branded content videos, right? And they would like skin the whole site, like to make the whole site look like X Body Spray or whatever, right? Um, and they were sending uh, – they used YouTube. The idea was to send people to the website. Um, so they were, like the videos were released earlier on collegehumor.com and there were links to them and et cetera. And, and of course, YouTube was like cannibalizing like the, the YouTube – sorry, the, the College Humor website. Certainly it was, you know. But they – you know, there was also there, revenue to be made on YouTube, much less. But you could – you know, the, there was still like a week lag time. Between, there, was, there was a week lag time. Between when it would be College Humor and when it would show up. And, on the College Humor YouTube Yeah, and YouTube didn't... Look, YouTube deserves a fair share of the blame as well, right, um, for, for what happened. And, and I think it should have come as we all should have noticed more effectively when YouTube arose, it was like suddenly like the only video website on the internet, right? I mean, like there's, you know, there's Vimeo, there's Dailymotion, da-da-da, but it was like, well, it's not on YouTube. Is it even really on the internet? And a lot of that was because YouTube, you know, made it so easy to upload and the player like really worked, right? They didn't care how much work you put into compression. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and like the player worked for everybody. It wasn't jank. You know, like even mm -hmm. today, when you go to the LA Times and they have videos and you try to make the video player work, it like doesn't quite work, right? 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 And that's like been the case for video apart from YouTube forever, right? And so the fact that YouTube like immediately had this giant lead um, was like we all should have been like, oh, wait. That was like the canary in the coal mine for like well, the way the whole internet was going to go, right? But at the same time, YouTube is just like video, right? It's not the whole site itself. Right. Um, and uh, so, you know, there was there was I think an uneasy equilibrium um, in uh, uh, you know between YouTube and College Humor. But then it was the rise of Facebook that uh, that really really changed everything right, because Facebook wanted to take on YouTube. Yeah. So so the 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 story is Facebook. YouTube cannibalized individual sites, yeah. and Facebook cannibalized YouTube. Yeah. And 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 so Facebook inflated its video metrics. Right. They they did this a number of ways. Like the, that, ten million views was fake um, because basically what they would do is every time they posted a video on uh, sorry, every time someone scrolled by a video on their timeline, that would count as a view, even if they didn't watch it, right? That's one method that, like, we know happened, right? Um, and there were also lots of others as well. You know, like, they were, like, it's a number on their site, right? They were they, they were messing with it in order to get the number higher. We, they did it in many ways. We know this. They settled a lawsuit about it, right? Um, 
So they say uh, they say today, oh, it was an innocent mistake. We fixed the bug. <laughs> oh, you fixed the bug that like made everybody think for five years that you had ten times the views that you actually had. Oh wow, you know, uh, I'm really I'm really glad you got around to that but one. How long right? did it t- take individual creators or companies to figure that out? I mean, there's there was really no way to figure it out because because what information do you have like you don't have your own site views anymore you know um on top of that there's no analytics for facebook yeah you, you can't see that on top of that there's other things so so facebook also like it used to be that youtube and i remember this very clearly you know we would post the link to youtube or the link to the college humor video on facebook right and it would get traffic. That was like a big part of College Humor. Like we used Facebook as a way to drive people to the site. Um, Then Facebook started deprioritizing the video, you know, anything that you posted on their site that wasn't native. You post a link to a YouTube video, people probably aren't going to see it. Right. Right. They wanted you to post it as a Facebook video. Exactly. And so that is where I'm like, that's a fucking, that is fucking antitrust. That's an antitrust case, right? That is worse than what, you know, Microsoft bundling Internet Explorer in with Windows and not letting you use other web browsers, right? Ten times worse than that because they tried to, they did that in order to compete with and kill other businesses. They use their advantage in one market to try to, you know, be anti-competitive in another market. That's antitrust, right? Um, if we had a justice department that enforced antitrust under any administration, right? This happened, this stuff happened on the Obama administration. Um, that would have, you know, that would have happened. Um, so, uh, in any case, um, they did that, uh, and they also shifted to a model where instead of you posting things natively um, and just, oh, I'll post something and other people will see it, you had to pay them in order for your fans to see it. If you Now anyone who uses Facebook knows, well, no matter how many people like my page, unless I pay Facebook their pound of flesh, right. my post won't actually yeah. reach them. You have you to boost, boost it. it. You have to boost it, right? Boost it. You have to boost it. I mean, like, look, I, I, I you know, uh, talk to a comedy producer in, in Los Angeles, right? And they'll tell you, well, if you want to get people to your show, you got to pay Facebook 20 bucks, like, in order to get, you know, th- to get it in people's feeds. Uh, so, yeah, so that that's what happened. And, you know, that is the process that slowly killed College Humor and every other independent media site. In the country, <laughs> right? Uh, because there was College Humor, there was Funny or Die. Uh, yeah. I remember My Damn Channel was a thing, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh my God, My Damn Channel, for sure. Um, and then how many other... Uh, uh, how many other independent publishers of all stripes, right? Like, why have we seen, you know, why is it that, like, the only big news sites anymore are, like, the legacy news sites, like New York Times and Washington Post, right? Because they had the mass and the inertia, right? Turns out they weren't killed by, you know, BuzzFeed is maybe scrabbling along, you know, but, like, they weren't killed by this explosion of other publishers because Facebook killed them, right? And then those big sites were the only ones that, like, had the had the massiveness to keep going. Like, isn't that, isn't that bizarre? Is that also why when you think about like the old school YouTuber community yeah the the only ones still going are the the ones who were the longest largest ones yeah like, man Brett and Link and Smosh and sure um who were big in 2007 are still the ones that are big yeah I mean size is you know size is rewarded about comedy specifically not yeah the video game got it playing ones are the yeah I mean the other real shame of it is that like okay so what we learned is 
Um, and look, by the way, I want to be clear. A lot of this is like the market changing, you know, um, and like, oh, hey, this is where things moved. What are you going to do? Right. Except that those shifts were caused by companies like Facebook deliberately cheating in order to cause those shifts. Right. It wasn't just like, oh, hey, that's like, oh, every, the Internet was eventually going to consolidate down to one big site. You know, like they made that happen. Um, so the real shame of it is that how are Rhett and Link still in business? Well, they make the cheapest content imaginable every single day. No shade on those guys. I, I like those, you know, I know those guys and they do good work there, right? But it's like, how do you make money in online video? Or how do you get seen in online video? There's only two kinds of online video now. There's uh, established legacy media brands that are making their money by another means and they also post it on YouTube. Jimmy Fallon clips, SNL clips, mm -hmm. stuff like that, right? Then there are people who have figured out a way to be able to hopefully build a sustainable business on the scraps that YouTube throws you, you know? Um, so, like, hey, if I figure out a way to make a video for $5 every single day and I, like, chain myself to the camera, then Facebook might give me, sorry, YouTube might give me $6 mm -hmm. and then I can keep making videos, right? But the sort of middle... $1 profit a day. Yeah, yeah. That's enough. But the middle class content, right, of the middle class of content like College Humor, Funny or Die, where I was a sketch comedy writer for three years... And I made a middle-class income, and I had health insurance and a 401k, right, as did everybody else who was working at College Humor. Um, I mean, maybe wages went down in the time since I left. Very well could have happened. But, you know, I think folks were on salary, you know. Um, college, college Humor contrary to what some folks say, was not the kind of place that, like, ran on internships. You know, there was plenty of la bad labor practices at certain points, but when I was there, it was like, you know, hey, yeah, well, people get salaries when they're on staff, and we hire freelancers to come do the individual shoots, da-da-da, right? Um, that uh, that level of comedy no longer exists. It's not possible to make it. Like, sketch comedy that's, like, well-produced, that looks good, of the mm -hmm. type that we made, um, like, isn't possible, you know? And, and we, so, like... Well, we, if you're a new uh, Britannic, let's say. Yeah. If you're a new duo that's just starting out in, in digital comedy... Yeah. What what do you do? So you can make... How do you adapt to, to the reality of 2020 digital? Well, probably what you're going to do is you're going to make videos um, and you're going to self-finance them and you're going to assume you're going to make no money off of them and those are going to be how you hope to get a job in television. Like that's, you know, that's what a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. But that like... Doing stuff for, for spec. Essentially. Yeah, and that's what Old English did too, and we were able to do that because we were college kids, you know. Like, like we all, we all, we went to a liberal arts college. Like, like I had no, um, I had, I had no college debt, right? And I'm not like, you know, a, uh, you know, I'm not a rich kid. You know, my, I'm from a middle class background. Um, uh, but my parents, you know, my my dad's a college professor, um, and they. People might say that's upper middle class. It might be. But they lived below their means, you know, for many years in order to be able to send me to an expensive, very expensive college with no debt, right? And that's very lucky. I'm very privileged and fortunate to be able to have that. That's why I was able to do comedy with Old English for essentially free for a number of years until I was finally paid for it, right? A lot of other people don't have that chance. And that's the uh, – that's like the shame of it, right? Because um, – uh, it, you know, being able to be paid to do comedy is like the fact that comedy requires overall in our industry five to ten years of free work before you can make even ten dollars off of it 
is bad, <laughs> right? It's bad. It, it, it's bad for comedians and it's bad for the comedy that we get to see. Um, and, you know, co- the college humors of the world were a way that like, hey, there was, you know, th- this was like a, a, a sub TV level of salary that you could make and it no longer exists. And that's a real shame. Well, so here's the the debate that I I often get into with whether it's other comedy journalists or uh, executives in in show business who deal with comedy is whether we're at the end of an era or whether the the era is always changing and it's just how you adapt. What, yeah, those are just two different. Is, those those are just two different attitudes that those people have. You know. Um, yeah, I mean, I see it as the end of an era. Uh huh. And they always tend to to give me pushback and go no no it's just everything adapts and evolves i think you're both wrong um i i, I do I, I knew you would have a, a fresh perspective well i don't think i don't think eras necessarily exist i i mean i guess i don't know maybe you're right like there like there was a you know there was a wild west period on the internet right where like people were putting money into it uh, like above average right above average was never really intended to turn a profit it was supposed to be some sort of like it was like broadway video right, right? broadway video owns above average yeah. i think i think they were just in the trades the other day for for signing a new deal oh okay but it was for tv like unscripted reality yeah like so it's like you know but the idea of having like a youtube channel and a website was to like develop comedy talent right and they were they were like putting money into it um and then hopefully hopefully we'll make some money right mm-hmm. but you know they were just, that's what super deluxe was right like the first the first time i was on super deluxe turner like devoted a couple million dollars to start a website called super deluxe they gave it to sketch groups like old english and other people chelsea peretti had a mm-hmm. show you remember all this maria bamford maria bamford had the maria bamford show that was wonderful they did it for like literally about 12 months and then some vice president came around going like what the fuck is going on here and pulled the plug And they called us and they said, it's all going down tomorrow. And we were like, wow. Then 10 years later, they started the site up again and did the same thing. And they were like, let's try to make an online comedy site. And then they did it for like about a year and a half. And then they closed it down again. Right. I don't think people are going to keep trying to do that. (laughs) And so because there was like there was like this period of like, what could this be? Where are the eyeballs? You know, and what ended up happening is Facebook took the Internet. Yeah. And now Facebook took all the eyeballs. And like so trying to make a new site now would be like, oh, I'm going to start my little TV network and compete with NBC in 1952, right? Like, you'd be like, no, that's impossible. What the fuck are you talking about, you know? At the same um, time, I don't see people going to Facebook now. I mean, they control something like uh, the American people spend like an average of 80 minutes a day on Facebook. Like, uh, on average, Americans... Comedy talent. Oh, yeah, no, no. comedy can't survive on yeah. Facebook. But that that doesn't mean no Facebook. That means no comedy. No, I'm, I'm just talking about comedy specifically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where does comedy go from here? I mean, nowhere. <laughs> like, there's nowhere for it to go. It goes to a parking lot in Silver Lake. I mean, people are going to keep trying to be funny, right? Yeah. But, um, uh, so what, what's happened is there's been an immense consolidation, right, in the industry. Um, the entire industry has, has, like, gone down to these little players. And, you know, we look at, you know, Disney buying Fox and, you know, all these other things, right? Um, uh, the reason, you know... True TV was its own network for a while, you know, and until AT&T bought Time Warner and then they laid off 
Everybody at True TV, 100 people were laid off. Um, and then they just put it under TBS and TNT. And they're still doing some shows, doing a couple game shows. Uh, but, but later this year with HBO Max, it'll who knows what will happen. with? Yeah, I mean, all, all those networks are just going to be feeders for HBO Max, right? And so what we're going to have in a, you know about uh, three, three or four or five years is we're going to be back to NBC, ABC, and CBS – Right, just like we were in 1953, but it's going to be called Disney, Netflix, and HBO Max. Right, maybe Hulu, maybe one or two others. Right, but that's it. Right, right? Um, and that's bad because it means that the wages for creative professionals go down because there's less buyers to compete. Um, it means there's less stuff for people to see. It means the quality of the work goes down because they're not going to be competing with each other. Remember peak TV when it was like oh, all these cable channels, FX and like AMC and all yeah. the, all that's gone. Right. It's just Disney saying like, oh, yeah, they want you to watch The Mandalorian now. But like once you have Disney and your kids are hooked, they don't give a shit. They're going to spend nothing to they're going to they're going to put garbage on it. Right. Mm-hmm. We'll spend five bucks and you'll, you'll watch some you'll watch whatever crap we give you. Right. <laughs> just like it was in the NBC, ABC, CBS days when TV was terrible. Right. So um, that's what. So I disagree with the people who say, oh, it's always changing because. Yes, of course the world is always changing, but we can point out it has recently changed for the worse and will continue to get worse, right? Where does comedy go? Comedians will always – there will always be people who are trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. Then that will never change. But those people – like, like, you know, live stand-up comedy, right, will always exist as a form, right? The question is, will you be able to make any money at it? Or will it be um, something that people are forced to do for fun, right, um, And which will be bad for the art form because people can't make money at it, right? I'll give you another example. Uh, I, I know a lot of folks now who are doing um, – they're doing D and D podcasts, right? A bunch right. of my, bunch of my close friends are doing D and D podcasts, and they're wonderful D and D podcasts, and they're huge hits, and they're actually making money off of them, and that's really wonderful, right? Uh, why are they doing D and D podcasts? Because D and D is a storytelling format and a comedy format that costs you no money to produce, right? It, it, like, all you need is one person to, to be the dungeon master. They have to do more work than everybody else. And then you record it, you edit it, which is you can do on consumer hardware, right. and then you upload it, right? Now, I'm not saying that's bad, right? I'm saying it sucks if that's the only level at which comedy can live, right? If there's no way to get money to do a bigger form of comedy, right, then we are robbed of those artistic forms that cost more money, right? So so College Humor, one of my favorite sketches I did, and it's like not great art, but I love it. It was called Mitt Romney Style, and it was a pitch-perfect parody of Gangnam Style that we did uh, about Mitt Romney. And it was, it made fun of Romney for being rich, you know? It went hugely viral. Uh, We were on the news, you know. It was like it encapsulated a moment in time. We were making fun of Paul Ryan, and like we, we wrote a joke at the last minute about about the forty seven percent. Remember, he said forty seven percent of Americans are like just beholden to Obama and stuff like that. And and like part of the reason it worked is it was a perfect parody of Gangnam Style, right? Is it looked beautiful and it was like had a really good track and stuff like that. Now. I'm not saying it's the worst thing in the world if, like, we don't get to make that video now, but I'm saying it's a thing that is you can't do now, and I think that sucks, right? And now let's talk about, like, say, you know, what if Broad City can't exist, right? What if high maintenance can't exist? What if, uh, you know, what, what if, like, uh, Issa Rae's show can't exist? All shows uh, that started as independent self-produced, self-financed YouTube series. Exactly. And, and like, you know, maybe there will still be a route for like, hey, if you're able to raise a bunch of money, you can like go take it to to one of those places. But the middle, you know, the middle class of 
content, right? Like, okay, imagine if every comedy club in America closed, right? Where will the comics go? I don't know. They'll do shows in bar back rooms, right? Except they won't be paid anymore, so they won't be able to do it as a living. So they'll be doing it nights and weekends, and that's bad for the art form, right? So the same thing is true of the internet. So if the internet started for comedy, digital comedy is the Wild West. Mm-hmm. Is it the, the railroad came through. Yeah. So now it's strip malls and... Yep. Yeah, that, that, that's that's what it is. It's it's like a real, it's a real bummer, you know. And and it's very sad as someone who like you know my my career began and and ended on the internet. <laughs> well, it did not ended, but you know what I mean. Like, like seriously, I I like the reason. No, you're on Nickelodeon. So the reason the reason I, to... the reason I'm in comedy at all was because I was making videos at Bard College, the expensive college I went to, uh, with my friends, and my college had gotten a whole bunch of Mac G Force. Um, which had FireWire inputs, and we could and Final Cut Pro on them. And so for the first time ever, it was possible to edit video, and I just taught myself to do it, right? And then QuickTime and the Internet, and we uploaded the videos. And instead of going to grad school, our videos became popular on the Internet. So instead, we moved to New York City. And two years later, we went to the Aspen Comedy Festival, right, because of this explosive thing called the Internet. And then I kept making comedy on the Internet. I went to go work at College Humor, right? That was my in to the industry. That route doesn't... Uh, exist anymore. And yeah, kids can still upload their videos to YouTube, except now they're working on you they're surfs on YouTube's plantation, mm-hmm. right? Like they they exist in the YouTube world. So if they want to get seen, they have to play by the YouTube rules, which means they got to make stuff that's really cheap and they have to upload it every single day and then maybe they'll get a little scrap. You know what really fucking bums me out is Twitch. I use Twitch. I stream on Twitch sometimes, right? I thought you were going to say TikTok. TikTok is I, I don't even whatever. Um no look, Let's talk about Twitch. Yeah, Twitch. Twitch is a place where the promise is like you can like have a career, like you could like become famous for streaming video games, right? Um, or and people do comedy on there too. But like, really, what it is is there's millions and millions of kids right now spending their time live streaming to nobody, right? To to zero viewers or one viewer, in the hope that one day they will play by Twitch's rules well enough. And Twitch gamifies this. They say, "Ooh, if you, we'll give you a little badge if you stream for two hours in one day, or if you stream for seven days in a week, Man. and shit like that." They encourage you to do that, but they don't pay you to do it. They start paying you once you start getting a lot of viewers, right? Then they start giving you little scraps of money dozens hundreds of dollars you know for for your hours spent so it's like it's like uber driving except if uber only paid one percent of the uber drivers right and everybody else was doing it for free in hopes that one day right if you drive enough miles or you pick up enough passengers that's what twitch is and that's what youtube is too because you have to like invest that time in for free into youtube so there's so many people playing by the that game yeah and so I was the incredible. The algorithm is fighting you. Yeah, exactly. And you have to win the algorithm's game. And, and so I uh, – and you have no control over that, right? And at the, at the very best, you're building a business on YouTube's platform. And any day, they can just change the algorithm a little bit. Poof, it's all gone, which is what ended up happening to all of these companies, all these sites, and all these people. So I was extremely lucky to get in early, you know, and, and in addition to all the other fortunate things I've had in my life. Well, if it's any consolation to you also, you did not ruin it. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Adam. Oh, of course, man. Glad I could. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com. More interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. 
I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.